Welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose, a podcast that offers a different perspective on what a job can be. For everyone out there that's heard that voice in the back of their head asking for something more, it's time to listen to it. I'm your host, Gino, and join me as I interview people who have decided to work in their own purpose. Together, we will learn, become inspired, and hopefully find our own path towards working in our purpose. Joining me today on Working Towards Our Purpose is Dave Phelan, who is one of the founders of Lupul Mobile, which is an app that connects customers to restaurants and bars. He is also the co-founder of Founders Approach, where he helps small businesses build and develop apps and websites. Dave is also a podcaster, and he hosts the show Why I Quit, where he interviews people who have quit their nine to fives. Me and Dave met through a friend, Cody. So shout out to Cody if he's listening. And uh, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I definitely appreciate it and look forward to uh, chatting about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you first want to start, tell us a little bit about yourself, like maybe where you grew up and your, uh, where you went to school and, and college. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up outside the Philadelphia area, went to college at Susquehanna University, was studying business, didn't really have a particular path. I knew I exactly wanted to go down. I knew I wanted to be involved in business and um, after college, I got my first job in the corporate world working for an engineering firm. I worked on the management side, you know, kind of wore a bunch of different hats, um, learned a lot there. But during that time, myself and, you know, one of my best friends from college were always bouncing around ideas. We always wanted to start something and didn't really know what that was going to be. And eventually we had an idea that stuck and both of us quit our full-time jobs to take the leap. And that was uh, the initial app that we built out called Lupul. And essentially the concept was, you know, my co-founder at the time, Phil, he was working as a sales rep for Boston Beer. So Sam Adams, Angry Orchard, he was going into these bars and restaurants on a daily basis, selling in these specials to, you know, sell his product. And a lot of these bars and restaurants are offering a daily special, essentially as advertisement to draw in people, you know, but many times that information that special is not actually getting to the consumers before they walk in the door. A lot of times you're downselling them once they get in. And so, you know, some bars and restaurants would post on social media, other people would have it on the website. There was not really like one place where you could find all that information. So we wanted to build out an application to do that. And essentially, you know, built out the first version, iterated a bunch, you know, ended up growing to over 50,000 users. And it was a, it was a really cool experience, a good learning experience. It didn't, fully work out the way we wanted it to from like a monetization perspective, but it also helped us pivot and kind of lead us into different businesses of where we ended up today. Hmm, interesting. So yeah, how did, uh, how'd you first get into like the, the app building world? Uh, is that, did you have like a tech background? Did you learn as you went or did your partner have some sort of experience or how did that process work? Yeah, great question. So neither of us had any tech experience whatsoever. Um, neither of us took any tech classes. We were more on the, you know, the the finance and sales uh, business side of it. But we did a deep dive into, you know, teaching ourselves as much as we could about it and kind of like really understanding the experience. We started off with, you know, wanting to be able to find someone else to build it so we could focus on growing the business. You know, I think we knew how much time it was going to take just from a operational and business development perspective to kind of run and grow and scale a startup. And we wanted to find someone who's going to be the right fit for us. So we went through the classic looking at, you know, every software development agency near you, getting quotes, 
And with bootstrapping this, we were getting quotes for six figures to build out an MVP. And we were like, well, that's never going to happen. And then, you know, we tried to find a CTO, someone who's willing to work for equity. But, you know, a lot of times it's really hard to find someone who is on the same wavelength as you of like wanting to buy in as much to the ideas that you want to and being willing to work for like equity, essentially like not pay. Um, Because a lot of times if there's a developer talented enough, they can be off making great money elsewhere. And so it's like really hard to find that person. And then we'd heard a lot of horror stories about experiences overseas with people that, you know, just got burned and didn't, you know, spend a lot of money, but didn't get what they wanted. And, you know, people that, you know, they didn't necessarily trust. And so we spent a ton of time and due diligence until we found a team overseas that we were comfortable with. And it was, it was a learning experience for sure. There's, you know, a 10 hour time difference. There's a language barrier. There's, you know, we had never project managed anything before. And so I think a lot of, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of books, you know, a lot of just like learning from failures. And we ended up building our own project management process that allowed us to efficiently manage the team. And we got to a point where we were, you know, got our first version out. We were doing iterations every two weeks with new features and updates based on talking to our customers. And we were continually learning. And we kind of like took that process of what we learned. And then we use that to replicate that to build apps and websites for other startups. And, you know, eventually what became our next company, Founders Approach. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm very uh, interested in in your story and how you kind of just figured out how to do it, right? And like, where I guess one thing that kind of comes to mind, I remember reading the four hour work week and there's like one chapter or something in there that says like, you know, they can even give you a website, I think of like go overseas and, 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 you know, get work done there because it's cheaper. And um, it, where did you get the idea to like go overseas to try to get some of the app to be developed? Did it come from that book specifically? <laughs> I honestly think uh, that is a great book. Um, but I, I think if I had to guess like where it came from, it was it was Google. I mean, I think we were Googling sure. just best ways to find developers. And I think it was purely price point. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're bootstrapping this on our own, you know, especially for the first version. And we needed to find something that was affordable that allowed us to quit our jobs, but still have runway to be able to see if we could make this thing work. And so really it boiled down to price point. The only price point that was going to work was overseas. And then it just got to a point where what's the best way to find overseas developers. And um, we ended up using a platform called Upwork. It was called something else at the time they got bought out. They're now called Upwork, but you know, it allows you, I mean, we probably did, you know, 30, 40 different interviews until we finally found the one that was like the right one for us. And so I think the, you know, the the beauty of the internet nowadays is that you can find all the information that you want, but I think you need to spend a ton of time, like kind of like curating and vetting and figuring it out because, you know, I think there's, you know, for every developer you find that works, you know, it it's not like it's the same process for each one. You know, we've also had developers and agencies we've worked with that haven't worked out. And so I think like being willing to be open to opportunities and try different things, but being ready to know with gut intuition that this might not be the right option. And then when you do find the right option, kind of double down on that and kind of uh, take it from there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's that's good advice for sure. So I, I also want to ask you, what was the transition like to go from a corporate job that maybe you had a degree in or you, you went to school and to quitting and then kind of doing your own thing? Were there any challenges or struggles that you immediately faced or was it something that you were like so fired up about figuring out that you just kind of went all in on it? Yeah, it was it was really tough. I would say initially quitting my job was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I think more from a perspective of I felt like I was letting my managers and coworkers down. I mean, I think I had built such good relationships there that I just was super nervous about the process of leaving. And so I think even just getting to the point of quitting, I think uh, there were two separate times I went into my boss's office to quit that I actually didn't end up doing. And I had to go back in another time because I was just so nervous about it. And, and, you know, I think, that to me was definitely the the hardest part and i think there was there was so much unknown you know as a startup mobile app we had no salary we had no nothing it's it's really a a lottery ticket to a degree of like this thing's either going to be worth zero or it's going to be worth a lot of money and there's really like not much in between and so you're really taking a risk and taking a gamble and so i think there was like a lot of excitement in terms of like what could it be? We could build the type of company we wanted to build. We were able to learn a ton. I mean, we, you know, you go from working in a corporate company where you have like a very specific defined role and everyone has their different roles to like a startup where you're doing everything from legal to accounting to sales to project management to so you're wearing all these different hats. So you're learning a lot. So it's, I think that part of it's super exciting. And you know, the excitement of the wins of the startup, you have your first download, your first positive review to your first sale. And you have these things that are such like mile markers and they're such highs. And so I think like in entrepreneurship, what I always tell people, it's like, it's like the highest of highs and lowest of lows. You have these moments that are so incredibly fulfilling, but very quickly, it could be the same day or the next day, you have these lows that are like extremely low. And so you have, you know, I remember times where I literally had less than $10 left in my bank account. I was, you know, I was on food stamps. I was just fighting to survive, just trying to pay my bills and do all these things just to keep the startup going. And I think, you know, you have these moments where you're like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without that, but you kind of have to sacrifice to get through it. Um, And so I think overall it was, I don't think I was like super confident that I'm like, this is going to be worth millions of dollars. But I also don't think I recognized how hard the path was going to be. But I think, you know, having a co-founder who's like extremely supportive, having a spouse who's extremely supportive throughout it, you know, can help weather those like extreme highs and lows to get to a point where you like figure out what works and figure out how you can make a living doing it. And then you kind of just, you know, keep grinding down that path essentially. I was going to ask you about that too. Um, the fact of having a co-founder and somebody, you know, in business with a partner and how does that kind of help drive you because you kind of have accountability with each other, right? Do you think that that has been one of the things that has helped you keep going when the times got tough was the two of you working together on, on this one project? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I would say if I was at this solo, there's no way I would still be, still be going at it. I think you know, uh, Phil and I talk about this all the time. It's um, you hold the other person 
grounded, accountable. You know, there's there's moments where each person is, you know, the other person's support. There are some days where I'm like, this is not worth it. This is brutal, you know, and he's able to kind of like, you know, be that soundboard, that voice of reasoning, you know, and, you know, vice versa. And I think, you know, having that, having a person where you can like, kind of like diversify your skill set and, you know, have your lanes where there are certain things that he takes on, there's certain things that I take on and being able to rely on each other for that. And then just like the support system in itself, because it's like, it's super isolating. I mean, I think, you know, you can go from a company where you have hundreds or thousands of coworkers to being an entrepreneur where you have none overnight. And, you know, and a lot of times nowadays you're working remote. And so you can be working from home, you can be by yourself. And so having another person to rely on is super important. And that's not to say you can't do it alone. I think there's a lot of people that do it very successfully, but like, I think if you are a solo entrepreneur, it's even more important to rely on, you know, your partner, your friends, your family, because even if you don't have that like co-founder, like you need to kind of find that support somewhere. And so like being able to like look for that and find people like that in your life, I think it's like super impactful to be actually able to like continue the path of entrepreneurship. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point, um, and it's definitely something I've kind of experienced myself too. Um, I know we had talked about it a little bit in the past, but like when I first quit, it was during the pandemic. I was living alone, like so much isolation, and it kind of got to a point where I was like, "All right, something's got to change because this isn't going to be able to keep going the way it is." Um, and so, yeah, I think it's very important to have whether it's co-founder or like people in your networking you know, circle or like you said, family or friends and things like that. I did want to ask you about your relationship with Phil and how you found out that like you guys would be good business partners. You said you were friends first. Um, do you think that that's a good thing? Cause a lot of times you hear people saying like, you know, don't go into business with your friends cause then you won't be friends anymore. What's, what's your stance on that? Yeah. I mean, you know, you have no idea how you're going to work with someone until you actually do. But I think, you know, we had a lot of conversations early on about a lot of hard things, like what is, you know, expectations around work, around money, even like equity conversations. And, you know, I think the biggest thing without a doubt is is communication in terms of like open communication, because I think like, you know, I think we've been extremely lucky to have been in business for eight years together and we've had like a very successful relationship and we've been able to navigate business and friendship. That doesn't mean that it's all easy times though. I think, you know, I think something that we've learned is figuring out how to, you know, be open and honest about having like difficult conversations, how to have that conversation, how to like respect the other person's feeling and also how to separate friendships and business. I think that's like one of the hardest parts. And I think like there are times where, you know, we physically say like, you know, we're not talking about work, like outside of work, like as a friend, you know, how are you? Or, you know, like you have these moments where it's like, you need to figure out ways to separate work and business, but also sometimes you just realize that those things are intertwined and, you know, they are um, tied together. And so I think, you know, being thoughtful and empathetic of the other person and just having open conversations can help build a successful relationship like that. But um, also, you know, I think, you need to know how your personalities and skill set mesh with, you know, someone you're looking to work with as well, because I think there are times where there could be someone that you could have like great open communication with, 
and you know you have like a really great relationship but like if your personality types or your skill sets would kind of like overlap you know in terms of like the type of business that you're going to run like sometimes that could be like a recipe for disaster and so i think like before ever jumping in with this specific person is just like aligning on expectations i think that's super huge talking about how you're going to communicate and you know and i think there's never really a perfect answer, but I think, you know, kind of going with your gut of like, if you've talked about it enough and you think you're both aligned, don't be afraid to make the, make the jump just because you're friends. But also, you know, if sometimes if, if you have a gut feeling that there are some things that aren't aligned and you have different working styles that you don't think you can get over, I think, you know, sometimes you just have to be aware of that too. That all sounds like really good advice and something that I think about more and more as I, you know, find my way through entrepreneurship and think about like doing new projects with people. And cause I've been pretty much a solo entrepreneur up until this point and kind of feel a little bit of the limitations of it. So, um, as someone who's kind of maybe newer into that world, I think that's, uh, I appreciate your words for sure. I do want to kind of jump into your next venture, um, and maybe talk about the second sort of transition of you going from loophole to founders approach and you do that with Phil as well, your business partner, you guys stayed partners through that transition. Yes. Yeah. So, um, basically we, we reached a point about two years in that with loophole, we just weren't making enough money to sustain the business. And I think that the business model was just not there. Like we hadn't paid ourselves and, you know, bills were running out and we actually had a potential investor who was interested in investing in us. And he ended up like pulling out and decided not to invest, which we were like super bummed about because, you know, we had goals of going nationwide and we wanted to hire people. And, you know, we had all these things we wanted to work through, but, you know, I think looking back, it was turned out to be a blessing in disguise because, you know, I think we were always going to struggle with the business model. I think that's a lot of times what people in the consumer app space fight where it's like when you are in a revenue model that's based on digital advertisements, you know, you need either need a crazy user base or a specific niche type of advertising customer that you can sell to. And it's just, it's very, very difficult. And we fought that battle for two years. And then eventually we just got to a point where, you know, we couldn't do that anymore. But that investor who pulled out, you know, asked us separately that if we'd be interested in building an app for him. And, you know, it was something that like, we actually honestly weren't thrilled about, but we were like, Hey, you know, maybe we can pay, pay rent this month if we do this thing. And so we did that. And then we had another person come to us and we did another project and then it just started snowballing. And I think we found this market where there were a lot of startups and small businesses out there that couldn't afford us development, but didn't know where to go overseas. And so we focused on, you know, coming at, at it with an entrepreneurial mindset of like partnering with these types of clients and almost being like a stand-in CTO of like, we will manage every aspect of the build from turnkey, from design and idea through getting it live. And, you know, we can provide hell of a lot more affordable prices in the US. And, you know, we're going to focus on customer service and giving you a great experience along the way. And, you know, we've now been doing that full-time since 2016. And, you know, we've probably built over 200 different products between apps and websites for different companies. And yeah, it's been, it's, you know, it's been a really good experience. I think we've been exposed to some amazing companies who are doing some amazing things. And 
it's it's something different every day and we've built our own overseas team that's been great as well of like we have like reliable talent that we can trust and count on and then we have our team here of project managers so it's phil myself and then we also have another partner cole and so it's really the three of us that kind of work with these clients directly you know to really understand what their development needs are and bring them bring them to life and so it's been uh it's 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 been a lot of fun kind of building that and something we never expected but it's uh something we really enjoy that's interesting um i imagine letting that go and moving on to something new must have been something you had to get over mentally and um how was that process for you i guess (laughs) like letting go of the old idea yeah i mean honestly that was that was super difficult that was another one of definitely like the lower points you know, professionally, personally, you know, admitting that this thing that you've poured blood, sweat and tears into was like not going to work. And then also we had raised the small friends and family around and we had to talk to our friends and families and investors and talk to them. We were shutting down and it was just like just some of the worst conversations. And um, and I think that, you know, at that time, I think we we're so tired. We had grinded for like two years straight. We were, you know, we were tired, we were poor. And I think we got to a point where we just, we just needed to get financially secure. And so I think like, you know, sometimes people start businesses because there's an idea that they're passionate about and this is what they're going to do. But like we were at a time where we had very little options and we didn't want to go back to a nine to five. And so we we're like, uh, let's see if we can make this work. And so I think we came at it from like a more desperate, for lack of a better word, um, perspective. But we knew we had skills and we knew we could build it because we'd done it before. So, you know, I think we were like pretty confident in like what we could offer and then just to see if it would work. And I think I would say as we were able to start gaining more clients and started getting you know, positive feedback and started getting new clients, we were able to see like we were on the right track here. And I think it made it easier to, to focus on the fact that even though the original idea didn't work, we could kind of take what we learned and we can still run a business without having to go back to a nine to five. And I think that at the end of the day was like super intriguing to us. And so I think that was kind of like the turning point of like, okay, now that we have some validation here, how do we scale this thing to be able to do this sustainably long-term. Right, right. So you could see the past heartaches contribute to something new in the future. And that therefore it wasn't like a waste of time. It was like, well, you learned a lot and now you're using what you learned to this new thing. That's that's really cool. Um, so in going along with that, how, how did you find new clients once you figured out you could do it for the first one? What was like your marketing approach or was it word of mouth or how did you go about acquiring your new clients? Yeah, I think, you know, something that we're pretty proud of to this day is that we haven't spent any money on marketing. Um, I think we, we started in the beginning. So focused on just kind of our network of people. And, you know, from those initial clients, we were getting referrals to do more work and, you know, and then we just built these like super strong relationships. And so I think we were able to find clients of just, it was everything from referrals from past clients to us 
reaching out to our network, just telling them what we're doing now and people being like, oh, I know this person who's looking for that. And, you know, and it just kind of snowballed on itself. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, like that's not a fully sustainable model that can only take you so far, but it's, it's kept us busy, you know? And I think that's something that we talk to people about a lot is like, there's a real power in your network and don't be afraid to like talk about what you do because you never know who needs the services that you provide. And I think I personally don't, I don't like social media. I haven't had, I haven't had any social media in the past five years. You know, I deleted everything out. I hadn't had anything. The only thing I have left is LinkedIn, which like arguably is social media, but I don't, I don't like posting on LinkedIn. I don't like, you know, kind of like self-promoting, but I think there's like, it's been super powerful in terms of like, even just like starting a podcast, talking about what we do with our company. Like we've gotten tons of clients just from friends, family, and second, third connections being like, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you did that. You should talk to this person. They're looking for this. And so, you know, I think like there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. But I think like I always tell people of like, you know, a lot of times people are like a little hesitant to post about like what they do or, but I think it's a really good thing to like, not only tell people what you do, but remind them, you know, and I think if you do it in a genuine and authentic way, I think people are willing to go out of their way to help you. Don't be afraid to, if you have like an agency, a services business, even a startup idea, like, you know, it doesn't even need to be clients. Like, you know, you can ask friends and family for five-star reviews on your product, you know, and that small thing can help boost you up the list in Google. And now all of a sudden you're getting double the clicks that you were. And so I think a lot of people are willing to help support and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And so I think you can get creative on different ways to ask for help and not to be afraid to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And I have this, uh, this one friend who is, he, he does a lot of different things and he has a lot of friends who do cool, creative sorts of things. His name's Josh. And he's really good about like lifting up others. And I think that there's also a really good, um, I don't know, call it karma or whatever, but when you're always supporting other people and then you now have something to have others support, like everybody kind of shows up and, and supports you in that way because you've been there in the past. So I think that that's, you know, something to, to think about as you're starting your own things is like, well, you know, you've been there for other people. So now it's kind of time to, to ask for the help. Right. Um, I, I know that's something that I've always struggled with is asking for help, but, um, I think that that's something that's, that you can do more often. <laughs> um, so let's talk about your podcast. I want to, I want to get into your podcast and, and how you started it and, and why you started it. Um, I know you're, you're almost like 50 episodes in now, which is significant for a podcaster. So Talk to us about how you started that and, and what was the idea in starting it? It was um, it was an idea I had in my head for a while, like probably going back to 2018. I've really got into listening to podcasts. And I think that was like a huge learning experience for me. Um, and especially like on the entrepreneur side, there's so many great podcast resources out there, especially for people looking for like some inspiration. And sometimes like, as we talked about earlier, it can be isolating. Like there's some ways you can like really resonate with like people's stories. And so like, you know, I got super hooked on some of the, like the original, like Guy Raz, how I built this, where they focus on like original founder stories, but they focus on a perspective of like talking about the early days and the hard things they went through, the failures they went through and like what that led to where it's like, I don't particularly like or find valuable when 
they're telling stories or doing interviews that they're just talking about all the good things. Like, you know, I think telling the story about like the journey of how they get there is like, makes it more realistic and you can like resonate with like, Oh, you can pick up on things of like, that's helpful of like how they got to this point. And I think something that I found was that the majority of rhetoric on social media about quitting was very much so like, quit your job and start this Amazon FBA and here's how you can make a million dollars in six months. And it was just like, it was just this, uh, this rhetoric that was like very get rich quick. It seemed like very cringy and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot out there with like people telling like real stories about like quitting their job of like, what was the first year like, you know, what was it like without a paycheck? What was it like without health insurance? Like, when did you first feel financially stable? Like you know, with running your own business, like what was it like just talking to your boss to quit? And so like, I hadn't found any like content based around that. And so that was kind of like the initial idea. And then basically had always wanted to do that, but just didn't have the time, didn't focus in on it. COVID hit. And, you know, Phil and I, Phil Cole and I were chatting and we were talking about, Hey, what are some like, you know, different side ideas we can try. And, you know, that one came up and neither of us had any experience editing, posting, hosting, doing anything with the podcast. I've never done any interviews. And so I think we were excited about a new learning experience. So kind of dove in to understand, you know, how do you, even what microphone to use? How do you set up interviews? How do you record? How do you edit? How do you post? And um, I think it was like a really good learning experience. And and then also just got to talk to some amazing people, just met some incredible people who had some incredible stories and just wanted to tell them. And so, yeah, we're, I think we're 47 episodes in now and it's been a really good experience. I think it's, um, it's helped me grow my network. Um, I think, you know, we've gotten projects out of it. We've made amazing connections from people who are just like good people to talk to. And, and I've learned a ton that I think we can use for like things down the road. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun experience. Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the uh, maybe hidden values of a podcast that sometimes people don't see right off the bat. They're, you know, the first thing to think about is downloads and like, oh, you know, I could sell ads now because I have so many downloads. But I think the connections part of it is like the biggest piece because you don't have to have a lot of listeners in order to make connections with your guest or even just you know, a few listeners here and there who reach out to you and, and tell you that it was impactful. Um, I think especially when you're podcasting and talking about your business, it's like such a natural way. Like, you know, like you're saying, it's not cringy. It's the opposite of that. Um, it's, it's like a natural way to tell people what you do and to just talk about the things that you can do. So that way you kind of naturally get a flow of, of people to come towards you who know who you are because they've been listening to you. And, you know, that's, that's something that I think is like a secondary benefit that you don't really think of when you first start a podcast. So I'm glad you, you were able to articulate it in that way. So can you define success for me? Cause I know that like a lot of people have a different version of success. And as you shared some of your story with us, um, you know, there was a time when you were looking to get your idea going and then you hit a wall and you need money, right? Like there's money's always a part of it. Um, can you define today, I guess, what success means for you? Yeah, I think that is such a good question. And I think, you know, to preface it, I think it's going to be like very different for each person. And I think that that benchmark constantly changes. And I think mm. 
something that Phil Cole and I talk about all the time is that, you know, we live in a society where that, that benchmark is continually, it's always pushing forward. And it's sometimes it can be like super tough because it's hard to celebrate wins when you're always like thinking like what's next. And so, you know, even if you're like, Oh, you set a goal for, you want to have X number of sales in a specific year, you know, you raise your expenses to hit that. And so you're like, you need to hit the next thing the next year. And sometimes it's like, you don't stop and, you know, look back and think about like, wow, like we've done some like amazing things. Um, But I think, I think at the end of the day, the way I try to think about it is I try to think about like the, the priorities I have, for my life in general, and then how work integrates with that. And I think you have you have money of like how much money do you need to make to live the life that you want to live. You have time in terms of like how do you want to spend your time? How much time do you want to spend at work versus you know off from work versus traveling? And you have like lifestyle, like what type of like lifestyle do you want to live in terms of you know, there are some jobs that are super stressful. There are ones that aren't stressful. And so I think they float, right? And I think they change where, you know, there could be some years or months or weeks where like money is the most important thing. And there could be other times where, you know, time off and travel is the most important thing. And so I think when I look at founders approach and businesses that I have, like something that is like most important is like, flexibility and control of schedule to be able to control those priorities. And so like what I find as a definition of success is like, do I have control over my life? And Founders Approach allows us to do that now in terms of like, we have money that we're bringing in and we have the ability to work from wherever we want and we control our schedule when we're going to work. Now on the flip side of that, you know, we don't have a consistent salary. We don't have, you know, we have a lot of stresses. You have all the stresses of running your own business. And so I think like anytime you look at anything in terms of success, the grass is always greener on the other side. Right. But it's like kind of understanding what your priorities are to be able to figure out how to best align what you're doing on a daily basis to those priorities. Yeah, no, I appreciate that answer. Um, and I think being realistic about what your expectations are too, I think, you mentioned earlier there, I think there still is a lot of like get rich quick schemes online. I think I just saw one about Airbnb the other day about how you don't even need to own the property to make a ton of money. And, uh, I, yeah, I think the, the realistic part of it is, is definitely something to, to think about, um, and, and know that things are going to take time to grow and that sort of thing. What's one thing that you'd say that you, you're struggling with as a, as a business owner and maybe an area that you could, uh, maybe get some help in, you know, with, with your business where it's at now? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think, I think part of that kind of ties into, you know, my, my previous answer before is, you know, we're spending a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, what do we want founders approach to be in one year, three years, five years, 10 years. Right. And I think, I think sometimes it's, it's difficult to, when you're thinking about something in both like a short-term and a long-term perspective of like, what do you want something to be? Cause I think things change in terms of your needs, your lifestyle, you know, all of these things. And so I think what we're constantly trying to figure out with founders approach is like, how do we build a business that we want to work at today, but also set ourselves up long-term 
that this is sustainable. And so, you know, something we talk about a lot is that there's there's really three full-time project managers here in the U.S. It's me, Phil, and Cole. We're a super small team. We purposely decided not to scale and not to hire because we decided that we we're going to be a lifestyle business in terms of like pick and choose the projects that we want to work on. And we're very intentional about that. We want to focus on that. But I think that also does create some stresses in terms of everything falls on us in terms of client management to running everything. And, you know, we need to do that from there. And so I think sometimes what gets hard is there are stresses in terms of the types of projects that we work on of like, is this a good fit? You know, um, are we working on the right types of projects? You know, are we delivering the quality that we expect and, you know, all of these things. And so I think, you know, being able to manage a business that we are delivering quality for our clients, but that at the same time, we are building it sustainable to want to, you know, be able to run it long-term, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely longevity and, and, you know, making sure you're also thinking about the future. So yeah, no, I think that was a, that was a great answer. So last question here is, uh, we're kind of running to the end of our time. Uh, what's one thing that you're excited about for the future or something that like you're ready to get into? It, it seems like through, you know, talking in the last 45 minutes that you always have this hunger, I guess, for learning. And, um, that seems to be something that has driven you. Um, but what's something that you're excited about for the future? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I just recently met up with Phil and Cole in person. We we're all in separate places and we work remote, but we try to get together every three months or so to make sure we get some in-person interactions. And part of that is kind of discussing like, Hey, like, you know, what's next? What do we want to work on? What do we, what do we want this company to look like? And I think like, we're excited to keep delivering mobile and web projects for our clients that we're doing right now. I think that's kind of like our bread and butter. And I think like we really enjoy working with startups and small businesses and kind of like helping bring ideas to life. Um, and then I think in addition to that, being able to try different ideas and see if there's something that we get like super passionate about that we can also like grow in tandem with that. And so, you know, part of that is though we're going to continue with the Why Quit podcast. Pre-COVID, we had started a company called GoWorking that was remote trips for entrepreneurs where, you know, we had done three trips pre-COVID where we had a group of 12 entrepreneurs, we'd travel to a different city, we'd work together in those places and then kind of explore around in the afternoons and night. And it was like a great way to like meet new people and network with like-minded individuals. Eventually we want to bring that back. And I think like we're always tinkering and experimenting with like what types of ideas are we passionate about? How does it fit into founders approach and how does it fit into the business? And I think we're excited just to keep experimenting and and I think I'm just excited to see kind of kind of where it goes. Yeah, that that sounds really interesting. I really like that idea traveling with uh entrepreneurs and going somewhere new to to learn and and to, you know, play at night and get to get to meet some new people. I think that's cool. That's a cool idea. So you have to keep me posted on that if you ever bring that back. Um thank you for for joining us today and uh thank you for being so transparent about the the struggles that that also you know, are part of your journey. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to only talk about the good things. So I, I appreciate you talking to us about the struggles as well. And uh, looking forward to, to what you have in store for the future. And uh, thank you so much. 
Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on and I appreciate your show and what you're doing. And um, I'm excited to check out more of your episodes too. I, I love the concept of what you're doing. And yeah, thanks for uh, thinking of me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Working Towards Our Purpose. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.